Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It is international break, but that does not mean that the drama and chaos goes away from Newcastle United. In fact, it's the very opposite. And it's a pleasure to say I'm joined by John Gibson. It's a shame, as usual, when we talk about current day Newcastle United that we don't meet up and talk about happier times up at James's Park, John. But alas, that is the Newcastle United of 2021. Saturday, John, what a mess it was. Oh, I mean, quite, quite unbelievable. We we have had an awful lot uh, of mess recently. You can't end up only winning two games out of the last 20 without it being a regularly sustained mess. But that was about as low as you get. I mean, our lives were on the line. We'd had warning after warning after warning. And it was a meek walk to the gallows. I mean, it was an absolute disgrace to the shirt and and to to the name of Newcastle United, and everybody associated with it has got to hang their heads in shame. Some obviously much more than others, and um, I I think like an awful lot of people, uh, including a lot of players were expecting that Steve Bruce would go and pay the price at long last uh, for the run of, of absolute humiliation we've had, which has plummeted us down into the relegation uh, scrap. But no, uh, Mr Ashley decided otherwise. And, um, you know, it's quite amazing from my point of view when when you look at... Mike Ashley's 14-year reign here because he makes all the big decisions. He got rid of Rafa Benitez at Newcastle. He sacked Chris Hutton, both of whom I believe had done an absolutely magnificent job under trying circumstances. He treated club legends like Shearer and Keegan absolutely abysmally. But on the situation of Steve Bruce, he, he does the exact opposite and uh, uh, shows loyalty and etc., uh, etc., et and keeps him on in the face of an actual storm. And what is more worrying is that, um, you know, the effect it's going to have on a lot of players whose morale is at a low ebb. All I can say is that... Mike Ashley and Steve Bruce are the luckiest people in football that this has happened during the pandemic so that there's nobody uh, in St. James's Park. Can you imagine after this latest decision when we resume playing again against Spurs at home, if there was 52,000 in there, can you imagine what an afternoon that's going to be? Yeah, it wouldn't be nice, would it? It would have shades of that, that game against Cardiff when Alan Pardew tried to stand on the touchline but was forced back into the dugout. I mean, that was a horrendous mm. Um, mm. afternoon for, for Alan Pardew. I mean, for those listening, we'll just recap. Obviously, Newcastle beating 3-0 by Brighton down at the Amex. They remain two points off Fulham um, in the relegation zone there. But as John mentioned at the start, they're two wins and 20 in all competitions. It's not good. Pressure on Steve Bruce is, is up the level. Pretty much everyone has said it's time for him to go, time for change. He remains, it appears Mike Ashley wants to reward um, loyalty shown by Steve Bruce. And I guess, John, that's the, the next question. What what loyalty have you seen from Steve Bruce which deserves to be rewarded by Mike Ashley? Oh, I think the loyalty that's been awarded, rewarded by Mike Ashley is that Steve Bruce has not agitated uh, and being aggressive and being on the phone regularly to his owner uh, to put things right at St. James's Park. Uh, that was the mistake in Ashley's eyes that Benitez made. Benitez didn't walk uh, quietly into the sunset. He kicked along the way against the traces. Uh, Steve Bruce doesn't do that and hasn't done that. He hasn't given any sort of problem to Mike Ashley whatsoever, and uh, Mike Ashley likes that. And as far as he's concerned, that's great. We can, I mean, his interest in Newcastle United to start with is limited to, can I beat the foot, the Premier League and get this club sold? It is not a genuine interest very late in the day to do the best for the club and for 52,000 fans, which it ought to be. I mean, the last... The last people that Mike Ashley is loyal to are the fans who 
love the club from cradle to grave and fill their ground without any hint of any success at any stage. And yet they they are dismissed. No loyalty is shown to fans. There's only loyalty shown because it's convenient loyalty um, to the manager. Um, and it's all very, very sad because in my point of view, we've got to the stage of... Is it rescuable under the current uh, regime? And I don't know that it is, and I can't see a way it is because, um, I mean, we've had a, a succession of, of absolute suicidal things happening. I mean, you know, Carl Darlow finds out that he's going to be dropped through the media, not through the manager. Uh, Matt Ritchie... Uh, is blamed for Newcastle and Bruce not getting the right uh, instructions onto the pitch at Wolves and a goal going in. And uh, is then held up to public ridicule, which inevitably sparks a, a complete fight. Uh, you know, players have been isolated and have suddenly dropped out of favour. Richie's done that, uh, Matty Longstaff's done that, and you wonder what on earth happened. I mean, uh, Andy Carroll at the moment, um, why was he given an extra contract for this season by Bruce if he had no intention of using him? I mean, we we lost 3-0 at Brighton. He had two centre-forwards on the bench and Carroll and Gale and turned to neither of them. What is going on? We know what's going on. There's, there, there's a, a a conflict between uh, Bruce and Jones as to the way Newcastle play. Bruce builds his sides on a defensive strategy. Jones builds it on a front foot uh, situation. And, uh, of course, it's Jones' tactics that produces the split strikers, etc., uh, etc. Et it worked when initially when it was the result was great enthusiasm for the players and you had three front guys of the ability of Wilson, San Maximan and Almiran to make it work. Take those three out and you haven't got the, the personnel to play that sort of system. You also haven't got the ability of the players and not to mention the fitness of the players to high press. I mean, Jones wants Newcastle to play in the way that Leeds play under Bielsa. It's all very admirable, but, I mean, Leeds have gone into pre-season training and have done this for a couple of years now, getting hell-bent on being super fit so that they can press from the front relentlessly for 90 minutes. Newcastle haven't got that level of fitness or that level of desire to do that. And therefore, in theory, what might look like um, a, a good system to play in as much as it's a front foot system just doesn't work. Unless players now haven't got a clue what they individually are supposed to be doing um, in the diamond system, in the system up front. And it's a system that Steve Bruce privately will be very uncomfortable with because in his eyes, it's gung-ho. Um, so Newcastle are falling between two stools. There's decisive leadership, whether it is Tactically, whether it is uh, man management, uh, Monday to Friday, uh, whatever, whatever, is completely uh, devoid from the setup. And it is so worrying that it's untrue because, I mean, look at it, Andrew, from the situation. I mean, Steve Bruce has had a lot of people that support him, ex-players, uh, media people, etc., etc., because he is, quotes on, good guy, end quotes. Now, even those people after Brighton are now beginning to uncomfortably shuffle away. I mean, we've, we've had Peter Crouch say, admit uh, that he he's only supported Bruce until now because he likes him as a person, but after the results and the way Newcastle are playing, he, he, he's afraid that, uh, you know, it's, it's bad news. We've had Robbie Savage, who was absolutely savaged Newcastle fans, now saying that he believes the, the team will be relegated. We've even had Simon Jordan, the ultimate Geordie basher, 
uh, coming out on his platform on Talk Sport and saying that if he was in charge of Newcastle, he would be considering now dismissing Steve Bruce, who incidentally was uh, his manager one time at Crystal Palace and walked out of, uh, of him after three months. Um, I realise with people like Crouch, with people like Savage, when when you are a friend of Steve Bruce, it is difficult to then heavily criticise a man who is a personal friend. But if you are in this business, if you are making money by being a pundit and therefore getting paid to have a professional opinion, you've got to be able to deviate between a professional opinion and a personal feeling because the two things are not the same by any means. And um, to be truthful, everywhere you look with Newcastle United as we sit here today uh, is like walking down a cul-de-sac. You don't see a route out at all. I was going to say, John, when Steve Bruce first got the job here at Newcastle, I mean, you, I think, considered him a pal. You went yep. in and, and you wrote it as you saw it. You were probably one of the first and you, you didn't hold hold back. And it, in many ways, you've been proved right because you kind of said he's not the right man for the job. And here we are, what, 18 months later. And you've done what you've you've said there about, about Crouchy, about Robbie Savage, that you've got to be able to separate from, you know, friendship and the yep. professional aspect. I mean, it, it's the hardest thing in the world to do. There's absolutely no question about that. But you cannot be in the game if you're not going to tell it uh, the way it is. I mean, if I make, if I in the past made a personal friend of a Newcastle centre forward, um, but if he missed a hat trick on the Saturday and we lost, I am duty bound to say that, uh, not to make an excuse. Perhaps the wind was uh, blowing in the wrong direction and he got a bit unlucky there. You cannot go down that road. It is very difficult, there's no question. I knew Steve Bruce for donkey's years, both as a Wolves and Boys Club lad and a Manchester United player, and he was absolutely magnificent. And my heart sank when he, he took the Newcastle United job because I thought it was a very bad fit it would not work. I was asked for my personal opinion, and you've got to give it because it's your professional opinion. While maybe privately you're desperate for something to work because of friendship, you cannot make that your judgment, um, and and you do not do so. I mean, I remember when I was uh, owner at Gateshead. I mean, it's such a small club compared with Newcastle United, but... I employed as a manager during my time, at one time, a personal friend of mine uh, as as manager who had been a personal friend of mine at Newcastle United. But when the moment come and when things didn't work out, unfortunately the buck stopped with me and it was my unfortunate situation where I made a decision. We'd have to part company, met him and and parted company because that decision cannot be shirked. We luckily remained friends because I hopefully I did it in the right way. But you've got to carry that courage into a situation because this isn't a personal club for Mike Ashley and people Mike Ashley likes. This is one of the greatest football clubs in English football with a, a fan base second to none despite absolutely no encouragement in terms of trophies and you've got to respect them and do what's right for them because you are just in charge of the club in passing. There was a club before you and there'll be a club after you and you've got to do what's right for the club and not what is right for... Um, Cronies. It just doesn't work that way. And my great concern now is that if we accept the nine-match running is going to be the way it is, my, my great concern is how on earth do we get out of this? I mean, the players <coughs> have got to get together with the management team, all of them, and, and get this sorted. And above all, Steve Bruce has got to get absolute clarity with Graham Jones as to what Newcastle play and are they capable of playing it. Because if they continue the system they're playing at the moment, you may as well give Andy Carroll 
his free transfer now rather than at the end of the season because there's no way Andy Carroll, an orthodox centre-forward playing the way he does, can can operate from the start in a split-striker situation. He is reduced to coming on his last two appearances for 30 seconds in one game and two and a half minutes in the other because it's desperation at the end of a game when everything, tactically and everything else, has been thrown out of the window. We are in an absolute mess and we've to decide to get out of it... Ashley's dumped on, on Bruce and the players. He said, you've got us into this mess. You've got to get us out of it. And he shut the door and gone away. So now Bruce has got to get together with Jones, with his coaching staff, and with all his players, not just his senior players, get all the cards on the table, see if out of this mess we can get any harmony that gives us half a chance. Quite frankly... For me, Andrew, the decision on the manager should not have come after a abysmal display at Brighton, but should have come much, much earlier because we've been going one way for all of this year. Should have come much earlier, given whoever came in or Jones, if he was the one to stay, time to put their stamp on this. We've got nine matches now. This smacks of of Shearer and uh, Rafa Benitez. Um, it's it's an absolute mess. And you know our greatest hope that Fulham fall flat on the face. That is the number one hope of us staying up. Not what is conjured up by Steve Bruce. Not what is conjured up and pulling the dressing room together by Lascelles. Not on Richie and Carol and Matty Longstaff and Carl Darlow suddenly deciding to put their grievances to one side and let us go and let us have a real go for self-preservation at the very least. The only hope we've got is that Fulham's abysmal start of the season when they lost game after game after game after game is, is going to produce too big an obstacle for to overcome and stay up. We are relying on them. We're not doing anything about it ourselves. And that's a sad sign of times, oh. isn't it? But I mean, that's been the story for most of the season. Just before we carry on, I just want to urge listeners to subscribe to the podcast. I did read an article the other day which said when I mentioned the word subscribe or when podcasters mention the word subscribe, people think you've got to pay you don't, yes. don't worry, it's a, it's it's all free, just hit that subscribe button, it just means when we upload a new episode to the podcast channel, you'll get a notification, it'll download straight to your phone, job done, spot on, you don't have to do anything, so hit that subscribe button, it's totally free. Uh, John, the question is, and you mentioned it there, that Steve Bruce and Graham Jones got to get together, sort this out, you know, they've got the back of Mike Ashley. Do you, what have you seen in the last few months to suggest? And I'm not saying that you feel this way, but what have you have you seen anything in the last few months to suggest that they can get it together and they can turn this around? Well, with with the right will on all sides, anything is possible. But the way things have gone, I am more worried at this moment not by a lack of ability in the squad but a lack of attitude in the squad. It's as much now mental as it is physical. It's as much how much goodwill is there in the tank, how much determination is there to survive, how high up are the sleeves going to be rolled to get stuck into these nine games. And by the way, we've left ourselves with a heck of a run in because we've squandered some very uh, winnable matches. But it's now as much about attitude as it is about ability. And we don't know. It will be very easy for players to come out and say, and they probably will sometime during the fortnight, come out and say, oh, we've had clear air, it's all for one and one for all and everything's fine. It is simple to say that. But when you go inside each and every player's heart, do, and you get then the real feeling of what they think, will they be 100% committed, come what may, regardless of anything else, 
to keep Newcastle up. And what I would suggest to them is, if you don't want to do it for the manager, if you don't want to do it for the club, do it for yourself. Do it for your own pride. Do it because if you're going to be here next season, you want to be here in the Premier League, not here in the Championship. And, you know, you there's ways of dying. Uh, and, and, you know, just falling on your sword meekly is definitely not the way of doing it anywhere. But doing that on time side is unforgivable because we hear time and again that our fans want too much as if we're demanding the Champions League and uh, the FA Cup and the League Cup every season, etc. The only thing Newcastle United fans demand is 100% effort. And as well as having this, the, the superstar legends like centre-forwards that score a pile of goals, Shearer and Supermac and Warjacky, people that have had massive hearts like frying pans from John Anderson upwards, downwards and sideways, and yes, Isaac Hayden in the proper side, they will have a special place in the hearts of Geordies because they are relentless in uh, doing the shirt proud. And Newcastle love those sort of people. And they are the people we want to see stand up between now and the end of the season. And one of the worries is that a couple of those, we've lost Hayden, who's got that, and a couple of other players who have got uh, have got that are currently ostracised and out of the picture. And that is Matt Ritchie uh, and Matty Longstaff. They have big hearts and are relentless, but they're not today's flavour. So will they take part? We've got too many players that haven't got that. Too many players that are willing to down tools at the first sign of any resistance by the opposition. We have got to fight for everything that's left because going meekly into the night is not the Newcastle United way. I mean, against Brighton, there was a lack of fight. There was a lot of reaction. There didn't seem to be any idea of how to to tackle Brighton. There didn't seem to be any urgency. There was no reaction when the goals went in. There was nobody shouting. You know, yeah. what, you know what I'd give for you know two players to come together. Maybe just a bit of a push on the shoulder. You know, something just sorted out because the goals were so oh. Oh, avoidable. I mean, the first goal. You know, yes, it comes after Hayden's been stretched off, but time and time again, Brighton had tried that route on both flanks. They'd, they'd gone down, cut inside, Trossard scores, and then the second goal, what, 10, 15 minutes later? Yeah. It's, exact, it, it, it's a carbon copy, and you just wonder, if I can spot that all the way sitting on my couch on Tyneside, and if you can spot it, yeah. and if Lee Ryder up in the stands can spot it, then why can't the dugout spot it? Because it was such a simple, like... It, that was clearly Brighton's approach to, to get the ball on the wing and cut inside and have a pop, and it worked twice, and the, you know they get two goals. And I just didn't see anyone grabbing the game by the scruff, and I didn't see anyone taking control of the situation. So it's a big worry because as much as you can criticise Steve Bruce, and you know he deserves all the criticisms that he gets, you know, um, the players to a point have to take responsibility as well when they're on the pitch. There's absolutely no question about that. Um, and to a certain extent, the players have got away with a lot because of what's going on high up. But of course, if you're the manager of any football club, you're responsible for everything, and that includes the attitude of the team. It is just part of the the game. That is down to you as well. And, and when Newcastle were letting in the goals, Andrew, as you, you've talked about at Brighton, it wasn't just down to a lack of ability or to a lack of tactics or not seeing or not getting close enough to to the, the person they were marking. It was down to attitude. The attitude was so half-hearted, so ready to accept what is happening that you weren't mentally switched on and alert to be doing the job that you were supposed to do. I mean, for goodness sake, we were playing Brighton, who were only one place above Newcastle and one point uh, above Newcastle. This side, in 28 Premier League games this season, outside of the two against Newcastle, 
28 had only scored 28 goals. They couldn't score goals for Toffee. Yet what happens when they play Newcastle over two games, home and away, they score six goals and Newcastle get none? They, they do us 3-0 up here and 3-0 down there. A side that cannot score goals does that. So, you know, it, it, what heart has that given us for, for what is, is coming with uh, Manchester City and Leicester and Arsenal and Liverpool and IA, even Spurs who are having a bad time but have got a centre-forward that off knows where the goal is. Um, you know, what hope is it given us? We are almost walking out uh, and, uh, you know, the, the guy in the front carrying a white flag. It is absolutely nonsense. And how do you change that? And the great difficulty is, I'm afraid, that the longer something like this goes on, the only way to change it, sadly, is to change things at the top because that is where things stem from. Steve Bruce is always saying, the book stops with me. Steve Bruce said before the, the, the Brighton game that what he had done recently was not good enough. Well, he's condemned out his own mouth because it got worse at Brighton than it, than it had been. Um, and this is a nonsense. I mean, Chelsea got rid of a club legend, Frank Lampard, for doing less damage than Steve Bruce. Sheffield United got rid of a club legend, Chris Wilder, uh, despite everything. West Brom, early on, got rid of the guy that won them promotion, Slavin Billish. Um, so it's been happening left, right and centre, but we stick with uh, a wagon that's trundling. I mean, this is a, a steamroller that's trundling downhill and has picked up so much speed now it's almost impossible to stop. It is really nonsensical, Andrew. I mean, Danny Welbeck hadn't scored a Premier League goal since December. Neil Mopey hadn't scored a goal, Premier League goal since January, and Brighton had only won once at the Amex. Yes. It, it, <laughs> Typical Newcastle. Yet, yet, Andrew, if you're truthful, if I'm truthful, and if 50,000 Geordies are truthful, we all expected... Newcastle not to win at Brighton. We yeah. wanted them to win. We knew they must win. But we honestly believed deep down in the heart that on the evidence of our own eyes over the last few months, we would not win. We perhaps didn't expect it to be 3-0 in such an abject performance. But I certainly didn't expect us to win. Uh, I thought we had a win. Uh, but at the moment as well, when you get the team sheet and you know the tactics that are going to be employed, you feel before you kick off, you ain't going to win. Mm. Um, and I'm not certain what Steve Bruce does in this fortnight to uh, to resurrect things. What will be more important is what he does off the grass than what he does on the grass during training. Because to get it sorted... Everybody's got to be locked in in a room and the keys thrown away and they're not allowed out and, until heads have been banged together and the, some sort of peace treaty has been fashed out because as things stand, tactics, uh, individual ability, etc., etc., um, does not apply. And please don't hide behind COVID and um, the injuries, which Steve Bruce has done regularly, because that is not the problem in Newcastle. The problem is much more deep-rooted than that. Hmm. I did predict 3-0 and I put more pay in my fantasy team, so silver <laughs> linings and all that. <laughs> um, before we get on to some questions from our listeners, I just want to ask you, John, is there any way back for Steve Bruce from this point, do you think? I honestly think not. Um in some ways, it would be nice if there was, because it would not because anybody necessarily wants Steve Bruce to remain manager of Newcastle United, but because it means that Newcastle United would be staying up. I don't. I think this has gone so far 
there isn't an answer. <laughs> there isn't a way he can survive and prosper because even if he keeps Newcastle United up because we somehow get a couple of results and Fulham keep tripping over the bootlaces, there is no way that you can see Steve Bruce managing Newcastle United in the Premier League next season and the the ground open to fans because that is a that would be a death knell uh, immediately and we would start very negatively next season with fans wanting to hound Steve Bruce and through Steve Bruce hound the owner um so I don't I think it's gone beyond um being rescuable. I mean, in lots of ways, like it or not, uh, Steve Bruce is now a dead man walking in the way that Steve McLaren was, and it, in a way which new, older Newcastle fans will remember uh, with Bill McGarry and with Richard Dennis. Uh, that gets to a point of no return. And long term, I think Newcastle are past that. We've just got to pray that somehow in the next nine games, something happens to keep us up. But long term, I cannot see a way this is going to work. I don't think it's got any chance whatsoever. We'll get on to some questions then from our listeners. And you've kind of just answered the first one here from... John Gandhi, but I'll ask it anyway, John, and you can maybe answer it in a bit more detail. He says, what does John think will happen at the end of the season in relation to Bruce in either scenario, whether we stay up or go down? Well, I mean, what will happen will depend on Ashley because he will still be owner at the end of the season, unfortunately, because any break in the takeover will take a little bit longer than that. Uh, I mean, Ashley could be defined with Bruce if he kept them up and said, well, hey, I did the job I asked him to do. He kept Newcastle in and carry on Steve. That would be an unmitigated disaster and would only prolong the agony from Steve Bruce's point of view. He would do better to just leave town and take a sack of gold if that's the way it goes and and get out of the firing line. Um, Steve Bruce for me, cannot start next season, regardless of whether it's in the Premier League or the Championship, because if the crowds are allowed back into St. James's Park, as I said, his life would not be worth living. And in getting at the manager, it provides a toxic uh, situation for the team, and we would be negative all the way, and we would have the world and his wife uh, in the rest of the country on our backs saying, ah, there you go, they look at the Geordies, self-destructing, etc., etc. So he's got to go. It's up to Ashley. That can make it very difficult, but he has got to go. I do not think under any circumstances that Steve Bruce will resign. One from the Zachit, that is Twitter handle, he asks you, John, where would you rank Bruce in the list of all the managers you've seen at Newcastle and why? That's a brilliant question. I mean, uh, unfortunately, because he, he is with us now, he is down there uh, with the the very worst, which are uh, the guys I've already named. For me, McLaren, Kinnear, uh, McGarry and Dennis, until now, have been the four worst that I've known at Newcastle and we've had some horror guys. Um, unfortunately, Steve Bruce is going to uh, join them because we, from day one, we have lived anxiously uh, expecting the worst. Unfortunately, it's come true. And, of course, where he might end up, because you can only fully judge his reign once he's gone, where he might end up is if, if he stays where he is, he'll end up bottom of that pile. One from Ben Sandel. The exclusion of the Longstaffs makes very little sense, especially after Matty's good performances when given a brief chance. Uh, is there any 
truth in a bust up with Bruce and will he see sense and play uh, Matty now that Hayden's injured? Now, I don't know about a bust up. I, I think it's fair to say both the long staffs are frustrated at the lack of playing time, given, especially Matty, given the fact that he signed a new contract and there was promise of a plan going forward. And not to have been playing all season, then thrown in over the Christmas break against you know some really good sides, and then and then and then he's disappeared from the face of the earth again. And I can totally understand the frustrations there. And I think I I'm in the camp where I'd like to see Matty Longstaff feature more, and I think he probably should replace Hayden. I have a feeling John will probably be Hendrick. However, what's your view on what's going on with the Longstaffs at the moment? Well, it beggars belief, doesn't it? I mean. Matty, I would love Steve Bruce to honestly answer the one question, what has Matty Longstaff done wrong? Now, it's certainly nothing on the field because as Geordies, we have all watched him play for Newcastle this season on the fleeting occasions he has. And as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, he brings a great uh, attitude and never say die uh, bubbling attitude to his game. Yet, he hasn't been able to even make the bench. Um, yes, Sean Langstaff there's, is another that's, that's suffered. Uh, he was struggling for form before he went out of the side, but there's more going on than meets the eye. Absolutely no question, because this team is a very poor team, and Matty Longstaff can't even get in the, the match day 18-19. Um, so how on earth is, is that the case? Uh, it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but so many things are ridiculous. Matt Ritchie, whose attitude is magnificent, can't get into the starting lineup, and we all know why now that we think of that. Gale has had about two Premier League starts all season, and he's the best goal scorer currently available. Um, Carroll gets nowhere near the team, nowhere near the team. Jacob Murphy, who has been a breath of fresh air when he's come on as a sub, can't get a start in a, in a dire need. It is there's so many questions that are unanswered. And because of the current situation with uh, press conferences being as restricted as they are, they're not going to get answered either. Um, but I would just say one thing to Steve Bruce, and that is be careful because in doing what you do, you can end up cutting your own throat, of course. I think, if I'm not mistaken, in recent weeks, Steve Bruce has been asked for Elliot Anderson and the, and the remarks have been that He's still a very young lad. He needs time to develop. And I think he threw Matty Longstaff, who, bear in mind, he's just turned 21, into the same bracket of he's a young lad, needs time to develop. And I'm sorry, in the case of Premier League football, you look around and there's players who are 17, 18, you know, 19, who are, who are you know, streets ahead of these two. And it's it, it, it's because they've been afforded that first-team football. And, I, and for me, that excuse of age is a bit of a... Yeah, a lot of cobblers in my in my view, John. I don't know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Hiding, you know, they're old enough if they're good enough. Um, and I tell you what, Matty Longstaff, if he was asked with his hand on his on the Bible whether he was happy today that he signed a new contract for Newcastle at the end of the last season, I doubt if he would say yes. He he's ecstatic. Um, it it. it Beggar's belief. I know it's always a matter of opinion, and with every manager that comes along, uh, some player will suffer, and some player will get a good bounce of the ball because the manager likes him. But what has gone on at Newcastle um, beggar's belief, and it beggar's belief more because it's not as if we've got a good side that's producing results, so you can forget about people. Uh, and say, put them to one side and dismiss them. This is a side crying out for the right attitude and a smattering of ability and getting neither, and yet players are still repeatedly ignored without explanation. But this sort of thing happens when you get in a mess, and it's yet another reason why 
you cannot see the current situation being successfully turned around. Mm. I don't know about you, but on Saturday night when Sean Longstaff came off the bench for Miguel Almiron, I kind of I, I silently screamed. There was an inwardly silent scream because we had so many midfielders on the pitch. Oh. And you're thinking, Carol, you're thinking, Dwight Gale. And, and yes, you, you, you are what, three goals down at that point, but... I think when you look at the goal difference, that could count so much if, you know, towards the end of that season and Newcastle's goal difference is not good. Um, and you're just thinking, well, why not just bring on a striker and just try and get at least one goal back because that could make all the difference, you know, when it comes down of to course. it. Of course, if you are Carroll and and Gail uh, and you're sitting there and you're just looking at a situation and you think... What am I doing at this club? Uh, I'm obviously not wanted. We're not doing enough to change it. But everything for me, Andrew, at the moment is rotten because not only do we not score enough goals and naturally we concentrate on that hugely, but a defence, which in the main is the same in terms of personnel than when Benitez was here and we had a very well-organized defense that could keep us in a game, the whole game, etc., etc. The defense is now making schoolboy individual mistakes that are being hugely costly. We are not getting tight um, uh, when marking up, even on set pieces, or getting far too tight where you can get rolled. We are letting in a massive number of goals, as well as not scoring. And that is a fatal combination be- between the two. At one time, our defence could keep in a, in a game while we try to nick a goal somewhere. The Newcastle defence now it, it is like a calendar. It's just full of holes. It's absolutely nonsensical. And we've got to get back to basics. But... The biggest problem we've got is, and I'm repeating myself, is not just organisation, it is mental attitude. And that is what, in this fortnight, has got to be changed. Hmm. Two more questions then, just before I get on to them. Um, just a reminder of a big quiz on Saturday evening. Um, all the fan groups are coming together with the help of Northumbria Police as well, the help of ourselves, Gibbo was asking a question. It's all to do with mental health. And we've got the big names, the likes of Alan Shearer, Les Fernand, and, and Deck. As I mentioned there, Gibbo, Supermax involved as well. And we're it's just a massive quiz. It'll be broadcast live on uh, Newcastle Fans TV on their Facebook page and YouTube. So head over there on Saturday night, 7pm kickoff for that. And uh, hopefully it'll be a good showing. And we've also got a special episode of Gibbo's Corner out on Sunday on the Magnificent Seven. I struggle to say that, Magnificent Seven. And John has picked seven players who he uh, wished hadn't left as early as they did. John, do you want to just give a bit of a taster of what's to come in that episode before we finish off here? Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the great things Newcastle have done down the years is managed to sell off the crown jewels and, uh, and, and they have gone far, far too quickly. And as a consequence, the team has suffered. And we've had some magnificent players... Um, that have left far too early when, in fact, Newcastle United ought to have uh, built a team around them. And then just to mention three, because we don't want to go into everybody in detail, but when you think that we had Waddle and Gascoigne as three Geordies, as three England internationals, all on our books at the same time, and we sold each and every one uh, to take the coin, uh, and it ended up getting relegated. Does that sound as if it's a mismanagement of Newcastle United, which has gone on long before um, Ashley in the current situation? We've got a, a history of it, sadly. And there's many, many others. Well, there's seven I've, I've picked out, and it's interesting. And it'll be interesting to see what punters think of the seven or who they would put in the seven. So have a little think uh, about what your seven would be, people that ought not to have been allowed to leave Newcastle. 
and see how much it meets up with my seven uh, when this when Andrew gets a podcast out this weekend. Yeah, five o'clock on Sunday it'll go out. So if you've subscribed, you'll wake up on Sunday morning with a nice notification. See, it all works perfectly. Final two <laughs> questions then, John. We've got one from Toby, and it's another one where he wants you to uh, to rank the situation. So in all your years of reporting following the club, how does this current era, the Bruce Ashley one, rank? And has there been any worse, in your opinion, in terms of on the field and the mood of the supporters? Great question. Um, you always just feel your own hurt and your current hurt is always the, the, the biggest thing in your life because it's something you wake up with every day. So uh, this is absolutely dreadful um, off the top of my head we have had days like this before um, when Newcastle in the 70s after having an FA Cup final appearance in 74 and a League Cup in 76 uh, player power took over uh, one McGarry was brought in to smash the player power he smashed it but could not build, it's easy to knock a wall down it's much more difficult to put one back up and um, Newcastle were at the lowest ebb then when they had Bobby Shinton as top score with about seven goals etc etc and of course the one that applies immediately to mind is um, not only like Ashley taking us down twice into the championship and maybe a third one coming up but if you remember when the, the birth of the entertainers before that happened uh, Kevin Keegan had a win at Leicester on the last day of the season to stop us going in the old third division for the first time in Newcastle's history. So that is as low as it can get. But right now, I think Newcastle United fans are low in the snake's belly because of what is happening here. And what makes it hard is that these things are preventable. And Newcastle United fans have been shouting for an age about where this is going. And it was interesting this week that Trevor Sinclair, who's one of the many pundits, one of the many ex-players, England winger, um, admitted that perhaps a lot of the uh, celeb punters ought to be apologising to Newcastle fans right now because they were shouting the odds about where this club was going from very early on this season and were scoffed at by outsiders who couldn't see any problem and lauded Steve Bruce for the job he was doing. And Sinclair saying, perhaps now we owe an apology. So, yes, the people that end up suffering, you know, are the fans because they stay with the team. If if we went in the third division, the fans would stay with them. Uh, the manager wouldn't. He'd be sacked or he would leave. The owner would probably get out and say he'd had enough. But the fans haven't got that option of getting out. They stay because they are the loyalists of the lot and they're the people that suffer. And it always amazes me that clubs never listen to fans who are the most loyal of all the people around the club, no question. And the final question then from Jordy Mike, and it's the, the million-dollar one. If Bruce got the sack, John, who would you want to see come in as manager? And I guess we'll put the caveat in that it has to be realistic. So who who do you think would come in as manager under Mike Ashley is probably a better question. That's a, that's a great question because that is a question I think we will be facing in the summer. We know we will not be facing it now because there's only nine games to go. Mike Ashley has made his decision that he's staying with um, with uh, Steve Bruce and he's not going to change that after eight games with eight to go, with six to go, with three to go. I think the only thing that might have happened here is that Graham Jones w would have been put in charge to the end of the season and maybe at least we would have got clarity then on the tactics Newcastle United wish to play because at the moment they don't know whether they're supposed to be defensively secure or attack orientated. Um, come this summer, there's time to look and go for decent managers uh, and that is probably 
Well, it is the time now. I think Bruce ought to have gone. We know he's not going to go. But we know he's got to go eventually because uh, it just will not work. In the summer, do you then look? Because there will be more available than is available now. You know, where you've got Eddie Howe and you've got Neil Lennon, you've got et cetera, et cetera, available right now. There will be more come the summer and looking abroad and we can do it with time on our side. Um, it is always a gamble, whoever you take, apart from if you're lucky enough to take somebody like Rafa Benitez, who has all the the, um, uh, the CV and wants to throw his heart and soul in it. <clears throat> there was people, there's people that would welcome him back uh, in the summer, uh, but, of course, that won't happen because uh, Ashley would have had a sell. There's absolutely no way Rafa would ever work under Ashley again. Um, we've just got to hope that once it gets to the summer, that decision is made very quickly, made publicly, and we can get on with getting the right guy. And I'm talking about getting them in, and every day counts. Not the way we sign players, which is in the last two days before the transfer window ends. We don't want to be looking when players are coming for pre-season training to confirm the appointment of a new manager. We wanted within the first week of the, or the first two weeks of the season ending so he's got the summer to work and bed in the players. But we need to go down that route. Somebody has got to bite the bullet and do something about Newcastle United. And Ashley has got to belatedly decide that enough is enough, that friendship and loyalty and all the nice things don't matter, and that he has a responsibility to Newcastle United, the club, not his club, the club, and to the fans, and put this club on the road where it belongs. Give the fans some pride back and some hope back. Because what is happening right now is a travesty, an absolute travesty, and it's got to end. Couldn't have said it better myself, John. The 20-minute chat we've planned has lasted for nearly an hour, but there's so much to talk about. I'm sure our listeners really don't mind because they always enjoy hearing from yourself. You guys tune in. Thank you, as always. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk We can catch up with John's columns on the situation, uh, Lee Ryder's analysis, Kieran Kelly's analysis as well, and everyone else who's shared their opinion, all the pundits' reaction, and everything else is on there as well. So do head over to the website. And once again, thank you very much for tuning in.